You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 286. Today I'm speaking to best-selling author of The Miracle Morning, Mr. Hal Elrod himself, on how to overcome any adversity. So, you better stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over three million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. You better. You better, folks, right? Hello, how are we doing? Thank you so much. Welcome to the Mind Your Business Podcast. I'm your host with the most, James Wedmore. This is where we take an inside-out approach to growing and evolving you, the business owner, so you can grow your business. Your business is simply a reflection of you, you, the entrepreneur, and how you show up moment by moment. And, uh, woo, we got a good one in store for you today. Mr. Hal Elrod himself, big fan over here, big Hal fan. He's the author of the like 1.5 now million purchased book, Miracle Morning. Have you heard of it? We're going to link up both of his books, actually, uh, his newest one, The Miracle Equation, as well as The Miracle Morning in the show notes for you. I highly recommend you grab copies of both. Start with the Miracle Morning, then go to the Miracle Equation, because they are fantabulous. I love them. I talk about a little bit of my thoughts, perspectives, and stuff on the interview with Hal himself. So good. So good. I love it. This is a great episode. We get into Hal's story. If you don't know Hal's story, it's unbelievable. Like, crazy unbelievable. You're just going to be, like, on the edge of your seats listening. And, you know, I titled this episode, How to Overcome Adversity. And, you know... We've all got problems. I'll give you problems if you don't have any. <laughs> we all got problems. Whatever you're going through, you know, it doesn't even have to be related to business. Whatever you're going through, you're going through something, it's life, you know, we go through stuff. This is the episode to turn to because this guy's been through a lot. I don't think there's anyone on the planet that's kept as much of a grateful and positive outlook as this gentleman and how he's been able to overcome it you know, a, a fatal car crash and dealing with cancer and almost dying several times and his internal state that just like never wavered. I don't think that it's a coincidence. I, you know, I think they're connected and we talk about that today on the episode. So I hope you're, you're ready. A little bit about Hal. Yeah. After surviving multiple near death experiences, Hal is someone who's on a mission, a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity I talked to him about, about what that really means and what that looks like in this interview. He's the best-selling author of one of the highest-rated books in the world, The Miracle Morning. It's been translated in over 34 different languages. It's sold over a million. I think it's close to like 1.5 million copies now. And it's practiced daily by over half a million people around the world. Today, we're going to talk about The Miracle Equation, which is the next step. The two decisions that move your biggest goals and dreams from possible to probable to inevitable. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Mr. Hal Elrod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, very special guest here with me today, Mr. Hal Elrod. Hal, how you doing, man? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a very special host with me today, Mr. James Wedmore. <laughs> Stop it. You can't do that. That's my job. That's uh, my job. I told you when we got on, I'm like, James, I've been, I've been stalking you online for like five years or more. You're like, you're my okay. internet celebrity, dude. So that's yeah. crazy to me. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it should be the other way around, but it's, yeah. it truly is an it honor. Mutual. It can be mutual. It, it can yeah. mutual like bro crush here. So <laughs> um, no, it really is. It's an honor to have you on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. You're, uh, you know, you're a legend, you're a rock star. Your story is absolutely incredible. You know, I think everyone on the planet has now read Miracle Morning. Is that correct now? Like everyone? I, I think we're, now, close to, we're close to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's now, now it's in, going interstellar, you know. Yeah, out of, yeah now we're, we're going to other planets. Now we've, it's translated in 37 languages. So now we're looking at other planets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's completely It was different. changed the world. Now it's changed the galaxy. Yeah. I, I, I love it. And, and I got to say, like, just to share really quickly, I had some initial resistance with the Miracle Morning because I made a judgment. I made an assumption that it was going to be too rudimentary, too simplistic. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that you didn't prove me wrong on that. And, and I think you actually have a very great way of taking something and making it very simple and applicable for a lot of people. But I found as I read that there was so much depth in the rest of your writing that anybody who wanted to go deeper with you could. Yeah, no, totally. And I, when I was in, uh, I used to be in sales. That's kind of how I got my start into entrepreneurship. When I was 19, I sold Cutco kitchen. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, I got really good at getting referrals. Like the average person in our company would get three to five referrals from each presentation they did. And I realized, wait, this is more important than the sale. If I develop a relationship with the customer that they feel comfortable referring me to everyone they know, then a, if they want the product, they're going to buy it right? Cause they trust me. They like me, they feel comfortable, you know, but B I'm going to have enough people to call so I can go as big as I want in terms of my goals and my, you know, my career. And so, you know, I'm circling back to what you were saying, which is my manager said, Hey, will you teach everybody how you're getting referrals? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And if there's anything I'm good at, it was, and it started back then when I was 19, I just really was like, how do I make this so simple that I literally say, Hey, say this, then do this, then say this, then do that. And you'll get the result. You know, the next day he called me, he goes, dude, everybody on our sales team got like 10 to 15 referrals yesterday after implementing what you taught them. And so when I wrote my book, you know, I'm going, I'm not a good writer. I'm not going to try to impress people with my writing where an English teacher is like, wow, this young man is a fantastic writer. I go, I just want people to get results, you know? And so I want it to be like, I'm having a conversation with you and I'll make it so simple that you can hand the book to a third grader. And a month later, they're like, dad, I'm crushing my morning routine, (laughs) you know? So yeah, so, so I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, that's one thing I'm, I'm good at dumbing stuff down and making it simple. Well, and one of the big reasons why I say that is if there is any objection from a listener coming up about like, Oh, it's, I think you could get the cliff notes. I'm like, okay, so what are like the five things you do for your morning routine? And you know, five or six things in the, in the first hour, like really simple. But like, to me, that was the least of like what that book was about, you know, yeah. it's the and content. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it was. And I, I want to read a, I want to read a line. Can I read a line from your book to Please, our, our listeners? I'd love so, to. This was like, I, I picked out a few that just like really hit me and was so beautiful. Here's one. It says, we must realize that the real impact and consequence of each of our choices and actions and even our thoughts is monumental because every single thought choice and action is determining who we are becoming which ultimately determines the quality of our lives. That's beautiful. Like so beautiful. And it's not just about a morning routine. Like, you know what I mean? Like on a surface level it is. And then you just get to go so much deeper with you. And I think you did the exact same thing with miracle equation where it was like, here are these two things, right? Um, I don't know if we want to spoil it for people who haven't read the book, (laughs) but, and then you just took us so deep. And so I just love this. And I'm, I'm hoping we get to do the same thing here on today's call to go deep with people. Cause yeah. I know my listeners are, are open to go as, as deep as we want to go. But for those like three people that don't know you and don't know your story, such a powerful story. Uh, I was wondering if we could just start there and you want to share a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I'll give you the, the high level version because otherwise I'm a talker and all, sometimes I answer the question of tell us your story and I look at the clock and I'm like, oh, it's been 12 minutes. I should probably wrap this story up. <laughs> we have time for today, folks. <laughs> sometimes I joke with, uh, with the hosts of podcasts. I'm like, hey, you can probably ask three questions and I'll cover the hour. Right. No, but um, to the high level version, uh, when I was 19, I mentioned I started selling Cutco Cutlery, broke a bunch of company records and I was asked to speak at an event and then I, I stayed as one of their top reps and so I I was, I basically spoke at every uh, local office event, national event, you know, regional event, everything in between. And one night giving a speech, I was driving home in uh, my first brand new car. I had just bought three weeks prior a Ford Mustang and I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour. The worst was actually not the head on collision. My car bounced off the drunk driver, spun off the drunk driver and the car behind me 
crashed into my driver's side door at 70 miles an hour, essentially. Instantly, the left side of my body, I broke 11 bones. My femur broke in half, my pelvis broke in three places, my arm broke in half. I shattered my elbow, severed the nerve in my arm, crushed my eye socket, severed my ear. I mean, just, it was, it was horrific. And I bled to death. And I was clinically dead for six minutes on the side of the freeway after the fire department worked for an hour to pry my body out of the car. I was trapped in the car. The door was smashed into my left side. And when they did, I bled to death. I was dead for six minutes, rushed to the hospital, spent six days in a coma, flatlined twice more during that coma, came out of the coma and was told by doctors I would never walk again. I had a very positive mindset and optimistic mindset, which I'd really developed in my sales career. I applied something I called the five minute rule, which is it's okay to be negative when something goes wrong but not for more than five minutes. Give yourself five minutes. And I literally used to, my manager and my sales job taught us to set the timer on our phone. Mm -hmm. Bitch, moan, complain, cry, vent, punch a wall for five minutes. Then after five minutes, you have to acknowledge, well, I can't change what happened. So there's no value in wishing it didn't happen, in feeling sorry for myself, in being, and it really in generating any negative emotion. Like there's no value in being sad, resentful, angry, you know, depressed, any of that. So I applied that to the car accident. And literally within, you know, I don't know if it was five minutes or a half an hour or the first day, but I mean, it was very quickly. I decided I can't change that I was in a car accident. So what are my choices? And this, by the way, anybody listening, if you've experienced adversity in your life and if you're human, you have, and if you haven't, it's coming like, right. We've all got more adversity around the way. Like if you're a human, there's throughout your life, it just keeps coming. The value in accepting the things you can't change, realizing that every negative emotion that you've ever experienced is self-created by the degree of resistance that you have to your reality. Can you say that a line? Cause again, that was beautiful. Can you say that one more time? Yes. Every negative emotion that you've ever experienced or experiencing now or could ever experience in the future is self created by your degree of resistance to your reality. In other words, it's wishing and wanting something didn't happen. That wasn't fair. I didn't deserve that. That wasn't what I expected. I, I can't believe I, right. We are creating negative emotion within ourselves. And the key that unlocks the door to emotional freedom or what I call in the miracle equation, the new book, there's a whole chapter on this called emotional invincibility. It's acceptance. It's, I can't change that I was in a car accident. So I'm going to accept it. I'm not happy that I was in a car, but I'm at peace. And that's more powerful. Happiness is an emotion that can change in a second, but peace is rooted. It's a state of being. And so the doctors thought I was delusional or in denial because I was so happy, go lucky, smiling. And they're like, dude, they're going to, they called my parents in one day for me. They're like, does hell understand? We're telling him he's never going to walk again. They're like, you were yeah. already that fast. You were already at, at peace and acceptance within, a, you know, hours or, or the first day. I, here was my mindset. This was not my greatest adversity, which we'll get into that in a second, but my greatest adversity came two years ago. So what, 17 years after the car accident. But I told my mom and dad, when my mom and dad, my dad came in and he said, the doctors are concerned. They think you're in denial. You know, they, they say you got, you have to accept what's happened to you. And I go, no dad, I'm not in denial. I'm not faking being happy. See, I have accepted it. So I'm genuinely happy. And this is what I told him. I said, dad, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life and the doctors are right, I've already decided I've envisioned it. I will be the happiest, most grateful person that you've ever seen in a wheelchair because mm. I'm in a wheelchair either way, you know, and if you're listening to this, what's your wheelchair? Like what are the experiences in your life that you think it's the thing that's causing you to feel some negative emotion, but it's not, it's not the thing because the same thing can happen to two people. And one person, it's the worst thing that ever happened and they're miserable. The other person says, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to grow from this. There's a better version of me on the other side of this adversity. I can't change it. So I accept that I'm at peace with it. And two yeah. years ago, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of cancer. I was given a 30% chance of surviving, which if you're a pessimist, that is a 70% chance that I was going to die. Um, I have a wife who I love and adore. I have two children who are my world. They were seven and four at the time. Now they're nine and six daughter and a son. And, uh, that was, I mean, there were, I had more to lose than ever. And when I called my wife from the doctor to say, sweetheart, are you sitting down? Or, you know, I've got some, you're never going to believe this. They think it's cancer. And my wife just starts bawling, you know? And I said, sweetheart, I told her, I said, I know this, you might not like hearing this, but 
I believe this will be the best thing that ever happened to me. And therefore the best thing that ever happened to our family and the same decision I made during the car accident. I said, and sweetheart, I will be the happiest and the most grateful I have ever been while I endure what I would imagine is the most difficult time in our lives. What's going to be. And I am here for you to support you through the, you know, and I mean, my, my wife was telling somebody this yesterday, we were at a couple's retreat and she goes, yeah, when, we, when Hal was going through cancer, he's, he's, he's in pain. He's lost 25% of his body weight. He's, you know, he's, he, he's on chemo. He feels like shit and we're upset. We're crying. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, like, like yeah. I was, I was coaching them through this, you know? Right, so right. anyway, but I think it's, but I, you know, and I'm not trying to say, look at me, I'm special. I'm literally saying, no, guys, no, no. It, yeah, this is, this is, we can apply this mindset to any adversity. You know, and we can be, and, and I always, whenever I give a speech about this, I always say, consider the most difficult adversity you've ever had in your life. Maybe you're enduring it now. I don't know. Or maybe it's in the past, but consider that you can be the happiest and the most grateful you've ever been, even while you're enduring the most difficult time in your life. And guess what? It's a thousand times easier to endure the most difficult time in your life when you're consciously choosing to focus on all that you have to be grateful for and all that you have to be happy about. And accepting all that you are not happy about. And is it a fair conclusion, not a guarantee, but a fair conclusion to say that your choice to keep that positive frame is what maybe caused healing for you? Uh, I, be I believe that 100% or let's say 99% because I don't, I can't prove it, right? I, you know, right. I can't show you a graph that shows how my positive attitude paralleled my bones healing, right? Like, <laughs> but, but here's what I can tell you. But like in your heart, you feel in that. In my too. heart, the doctor said I would never walk again, right? And I mean, they were telling me that. So the accident happens. I come out of a coma six days later. A week after that is when, so two weeks after the crash is when the doctors called my parents in to say, hey, you need to talk to Hal and get him to admit how he's really feeling. Like, He's acting like nothing's wrong. He's probably deep down really depressed and scared, maybe angry. He needs to admit those feelings so he can work through them. And those feelings weren't there. I just bypassed them because I went, there's no value in being scared or depressed or angry. And by the way, and let me say, I'm not saying there's no value in what you might call a negative emotion, right? Like if you lose someone, like grieve. Yeah, grieve. Yeah. But here's the difference. Choose the emotion that best serves you in any moment. That, that's what the chapter in the miracle equation in the new book is how to become emotionally invincible. That's the whole crux is you are, you can be, you may not be now, but you have the ability to be in control of your emotional state. I'm living proof of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the difference is that if you want to be angry, like if you want to be angry, right? If it serves you for some reason, like if, if a man accosts my family when we're out, I should probably pull out the anger card, you know, and be like, all right, leave us alone, buddy, right? Or maybe not, maybe I need to be the empathetic card, I don't know, but like grieving, you know, choose it. But there, here's the thing, here's the difference. Most of us don't control our emotions and many of us are suffering over things that happened years ago, decades ago. And the things aren't happening anymore. They happened a long time ago, but because we haven't consciously made a decision to accept it and give ourselves that gift of peace, we're still suffering. And we think we're suffering because something that happened a long time ago, but we're not suffering because of what happened. We're suffering because we don't realize that we can make the decision to fully accept it and give ourselves that gift of being at peace. And when you're at peace, you have the calm, the cool, the state of mind where you can then choose your emotion. So when I'm in traffic, and traffic's the best example, by the way, if you're listening and you're like, well, maybe if I was in a life or death situation, I would think this way too. No, 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 no. Traffic's my favorite example. Most people, when they hit traffic, they spend the entire, if they're running late, right? Think about how you spend time in traffic. You're like, oh, damn it, I'm gonna be late and I'm gonna, my boss is gonna be mad and I'm gonna, my kid's gonna get in trouble for school, whatever, right? You're running late. What I realized is, wait a minute, I can't control the pace of the traffic in front of me, but I get to control what happens inside this car and inside of my mind, my body, my heart, my spirit. I get to choose. So when I hit traffic, I used to be just like everybody and be frustrated the entire drive. Now I smile and I turn up the radio or I turn off the radio, whichever, and I just feel happy and grateful. In fact, it's interesting, James, but traffic is an anchor for gratitude for me. Mm. I, 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 when I learned this lesson myself, I named my car the gratitude mobile. And whenever I hit traffic, I just think of things that I'm grateful for. And I sit there and smile while I'm in the bumper to bumper traffic. And I'm like, and I just accept that. Yeah, I'm going to be late and there's a consequence, but I can't change it. So yeah. I'm at peace with it. And I, okay. A couple of things. So first of all, I, I must assume that like you have a 
there's like a deeper context that you just know how important your thoughts and emotional state is. Yeah. So it, well, it's, it's, it, here's the thing. It's, it's what do you want? Right. And I, I think that what we all want is that inner experience of, you know, you could name some positive emotions, right? We want to feel good. We just want to feel good, right? That's it. Right. So, yeah. and then under the umbrella of good is like, I like to feel grateful. I want to be excited about life. I want to feel happy. I want, you know what I mean? Right. I want to feel connected to, to other people, to my spouse, etc. Like that's what we want. And what, what gets in the way of feeling good is our resistance to our reality when mm-hmm. things happen or don't happen according to our expectation or what we want then and it's usually unconscious all of a sudden we resist right so if you lose something valuable you resist that loss you resist that that happened and you wish to me the simple language is the opposite of resistance is acceptance and resistance in its simple form is wishing and wanting that something were different that can't be different And when people go, well, but how do you know what can or can't be different? Anything that's ever happened to you can't be different. You, unless you're Marty McFly with a DeLorean, right? You can't go back in time and change it. But what like 99% of our negative emotions are self-created based on something that is now in the past, whether it happened five minutes ago, five days ago, five months ago, or five decades ago, it's in the past. And our choice, we only have two. We can either resist it and create emotional pain for ourselves, or we can accept it. And the other form of resistance comes from the perceived future, which is in the form of worry. We create emotional pain, worrying about something that can't happen, right? People, oh my gosh, what if the plane crashes? What if I lose, what if, what if, what if, what, right? What if, it's all those what ifs. Those what ifs are creating emotional pain based on a perceived future that may or may not happen. And sometimes it's over future that is gonna happen. Like, you know for sure you are going to lose your job or you're getting a divorce or, you know, or you know that your parents will die at some point point, right? Or I mean, we'll all, it's resisting things that are inevitable. So they, they create a pain. So again, but all pain is self-created by resistance. Yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. Even if it's inevitable, it hasn't, it's not happening in this moment. And yeah. Right? And you're creating, so again, yeah. we want to feel good, but we're creating the opposite of feeling good, which is feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based on something that hasn't even happened. Right. right. You know, and if, and if you are going to grieve when it happens, wait till it happens. Right. But I mean, people spend their entire life, you know, often in fear of either, either we spend so much of our lives, either creating emotional pain based on things in the past that we can't change things that are happening right now that we can't change or worrying about things that may or may not happen in the future that will be out of our control. Right. And that's, and we're just, we're consistently creating pain from all these things. And we mistakenly think it's the thing that's causing the emotional pain but it's never the thing. It's always our resistance to the thing. Yeah. We also talk a lot about the meanings that we put on events and things as well. I'm curious, like 17 years now since the, the car crash. Yeah. Or 20 years. I just turned 40, 20, 20, yeah, 20 years. I was, I was uh, 20 when it happened. Wow. Has the meaning changed about that event for you today? Like, what is the meaning that you have? I mean, if you say like all of your work was like born out of that incident, I'd have to assume that there's like pretty powerful meaning there for you. Yeah. I mean, for me, here's the thing, you know, I think that people, we think things are predetermined, right? Like for example, people go through life trying to figure out what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. You don't figure out what your purpose is. You decide what your purpose is mm-hmm. and your purpose could change, right? Like, so you could have one purpose and live in alignment with that purpose for a while. And then you might adopt you as you evolve and grow and learn and expand, you might find a bigger purpose, right? The first time I ever defined my purpose, and I'll, and I'll circle back here, but I won't try not to go too far on a tangent, but um, I was 25, I think, 24, 25 years old. I read a book called Love is the Killer App by oh, Tim yeah. Sanders. You great, like that book? Yeah, great book. Great book. And he talked, his book was all about adding value for other people, like that the key to success in life and in business is to add value for others. And he talks about all the different ways. And he basically talked about, you know, loving other people and, and through love, you're adding value. Like if you really love somebody, you're going to help them. Right. And so I define my purpose in life. It really resonated with me. And I define my purpose in life as selflessly adding value to the lives of other people. And that is still a fundamental purpose through my life. Like in every interaction with my family, I ask my, or my, or a business partner or a client or whatever, I'm always asking, how can I add value for this person? 
So that's an underlying purpose, but I have a bigger purpose. You can even call it a mission now, I guess, which is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time or one person at a time. And can you elaborate on what that means to elevate consciousness? Yeah. So for me, I had a realization recently that our consciousness can only elevate to the degree or to the level that we have knowledge of what's possible. Right. So if someone knows nothing, right? Like, like, like they take a caveman, for example, <laughs> you know, I've never met a caveman, but I would imagine, right? <laughs> like a caveman that doesn't have language and doesn't have, you know, I'm not exactly sure what level they could go to. Right. But if you, every time you read a book, that talks about like different ways of thinking of being, for example, this podcast episode, if you're someone that listened to this and you experience a lot of self-created emotional pain, right? Because you resist traffic and you resist everything that you can't change and you get frustrated or angry or sad or resentful, whatever, right? You now have knowledge of what is of, of a new way of thinking and living and being that can literally give you freedom from mm -hmm all emotional pain that you've ever created or create in the future. Well, now the level of consciousness that you, if you, by living into that, you now have a higher level of consciousness available to you. That makes sense, right? Yeah, no, definitely. So, and that's why for the, like, so elevating the consciousness of humanity is allowing people or, or is, is people becoming, I guess, the best version of themselves, if you will, right? Which is a never ending process. It's, you know, that's one thing human beings share and we'll share until the day we die and, and probably long after that. I'm not exactly sure what happens after, but, but uh, I've got some ideas about it, right? <laughs> but, but the point is that our consciousness, it's not like we reach our full potential, right? That doesn't exist. When you're, yeah. you know, when you're 90 years old and you've read a thousand self-help books and then you're on your thousand and one, right? You're like, oh, I didn't even know this way of thinking existed. And now your consciousness is continuing to elevate. So when I say elevating the consciousness of humanity, one person at a time or one morning at a time, it was one morning at a time with this, the, this is really the miracle morning mission, you know, and that, that book alone has sold, what is it? 1.7 million copies. It's, it's the actual practice, forget the book, but the actual miracle morning practice from what we can track, it's practice every day by somewhere between 500,000 and a million people. We don't have an exact number, but it's a lot of people, right? You know, yeah. in, in, in 70 plus countries. And so here's the point is that as each person in the miracle morning, the global community wakes up every day, engages in personal development practices. The miracle morning has six of them, meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. Well, as we do that, as we learn and grow, we are elevating our own consciousness and mm -hmm. We happen to be members of humanity, right? So the entire community is on this collective shared mission. And as we all elevate our own consciousness, we become better versions of ourselves, which improves our lives, right? But also we become better for those that we lead and those that we love. And so as we elevate our own individual consciousness, we are by default elevating the consciousness of humanity. And so the goal was when I first wrote the book, it was like, you know, I want to change a few lives. Like this, this practice changed my life. I, I wasn't an author. I didn't have a big platform. You know, it was just like, I felt a sense of responsibility to share this miracle morning practice, but I, I didn't have a, that big of a vision. And then in the few months that after the book came out, I started getting emails from people saying this saved my marriage. This got me, I, I'm not depressed anymore. This allowed me to start a business that's been on my dream list for 10 years or write a book, you know, and that's when I went, wait a minute, if this is changing these people's lives, and it changed my life. And none of us were mourning people before we read the book. I go, this could like change the world, right? Like the little voice inside of me, like was like, how you can go, like you got to get it out there, you know? And so I set a goal, change 1 million lives one morning at a time. And then once we sold over a million copies, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it actually happened. But I got to like set a new goal, you know, and then it went to the elevate the consciousness of humanity. And, and the goal, we literally have a realistic goal of how we're going to reach a billion people plus like, but that's the kind of, it went from a million to a billion. And that's what me and my team, we call ourselves the miracle workers. Like we're, that's what we're working on is trying to, you know, trying to literally reach a billion people. Like we just wrote the miracle morning for teachers. So we're, the goal, one of my early goals was like, I go, what if I got the miracle morning in schools? Imagine if every student from age, you know, from, from kindergarten to, to high school or beyond 
started their day with meditation, affirmations, oh, visualization, oh. right? I go, that would like, that could end bullying. How are you going to beat up the kid that you just heard his goals and dreams and what he's working on with his family? And you know, you meditated with him. And anyway, so we have the miracle morning for teachers will come out this fall and we're going to get, it's already practiced by 70 teachers around the country are doing this in their classroom. They were like the, the wow. test group for the book and the results were unbelievable. Like their most troubled students were in tears saying, Mrs. You know, Smith, like this is helping me be happier at home. And, and like, I'm finally focusing at school. And I mean, just, you know, anyway, it's just, it's incredible. So, so that's the mission that we're on. Yeah. Well, and then I just get a sense that like, that's who you are. You like set this goal and then you go and, and crush it. I think you were doing that back in your Cutco days. Cutco, and, that's where it started. Yeah. Before uh, Cutco, I was a nobody. Like when I was in high school, like I was a really average mediocre kid. I didn't get good grades. I wasn't a good athlete. I wasn't popular. And I always feel like that's an important piece to share because I feel like it was, it was at 19 years old that I literally, I got a mentor and he saw in me things I had never seen in myself. And there's that old, you know, I really believe in that philosophy. Sometimes you have to believe in the belief others have in you until your belief catches up. Right. And anytime I read a book, I adopt that. I'm like, this author believes that if we apply, if I apply what he's teaching me, I can be like him or I can change my life or I can start my business or I, right. You know? And so for me, it's like every book is that I believe in the belief that somebody else has in me and I'm just as insecure as the next person, you know, but what well, I so resonate that with that, cause I was telling you before the show, like yeah. that, was, that was me in high school too. Like average or below, you know, mm -hmm. and even like so invisible, that to have like a personal brand, very visible type thing is just so not who I was. Totally. You know, so it's, it's so funny, but what, what would you say? Like what drives the goals for you and hitting those goals? Like what, what is the driver behind that? So, you know, when I was younger, it was significance for sure. Right. Like when I was 19, again, having never been seen by, you know, many people, like when I was 19 and I, the first 10 days in Cutco, I broke the all time company record for the first 10 days, which is called your fast start. So I sold $15,000 of kitchen knives in home presentations during my first 10 days. And I, you know, I, I got, I broke the record. There was all this recognition. I was on stage. Right. And I was like, this feels really good. <laughs> like, yep. I want to keep doing this, you know? So like, I just became addicted to breaking records, you know, and just like being number one and all this stuff. And then I had my car accident. And then in the hospital, you know, I really was like, as I was, you know, didn't know if I'd ever walk again, I was really doing a lot of thinking and going, what is the purpose? And, you know, there's that very famous adage, well known for all of us, everything happens for a reason. Mm. However, I believe that it's our responsibility to choose the reasons that goes along with what I was saying is, you know, you choose yeah. your purpose. Like, yeah. and you asked me, what was the meaning I gave it? Well, as I'm sitting there, yeah, because when I was in Cutco as one of the top reps, I mentioned, I got to give speeches all the time. And I started listening to like Tony Robbins and other you know, motivational speakers. And I had this dream. I thought, man, I would love to do that one day. Like I love, I get so energized speaking and teaching and helping. And when people come up after my speech and they're like, how that, that really helped me or motive, you know, I loved that. And I thought, but there was no, there's not like a clear path to be a professional speaker. It's not like you take a speech class in college and then you start getting paid $10,000 a speech, right? Like right. that didn't exist. So I didn't know how I would do it. But I remember I told my dad, I said, when I was in the hospital, it was actually that conversation when he came and said, the doctors are concerned that you're in denial. I said, <laughs> dad, I said, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I said, look, I've wanted to be a motivational speaker for the last mm -hmm. year and a half since I started with Cutco. I go, but I had a really normal life. Like you and mom were really good parents. And I, I said, I don't really have much to talk about maybe that's why this happened. Maybe I'm supposed to endure this in the most positive, proactive way that I can and get through it. And then I'll be a motivational speaker, you know, and maybe I'll be in a wheelchair giving speeches. I don't know. Right. But that was it. And so I chose that. And so I started right when I got out of the hospital, like I think two months after I was out, I'm still walking on a cane, you know, cause I took my first step three weeks after the crash. Wow. Doctors came in with routine x-rays and they go, uh, how? you know, and my parents were there and they go, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly that you're actually ready to take your first step tomorrow in therapy. Were you doing any visualizations or affirmations then? I was praying, visualizing, affirming. Like that's what I told my dad. I go, dad, there's only one of two possibilities. Either I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life. And if I am, I will be happy and grateful at, just because I'm a lot, right? Like for whatever I have not letting the wheelchair define my quality of life or my emotional well-being. I said, but possibility number two 
is I will walk again. And, and here's the thing. Nobody really knows dad, like the doctors. And I don't even know if it's possible, but here's what I know. I'm putting all like I'm I've accepted the worst case scenario, but all my energy is going into the best case scenario. I'm going to, I visualize walking again. I'm praying about it. I'm affirming it. I'm, you know, and, and like all my energy went into that. And it was one week after that conversation with my dad, I said, go back and tell the doctors, like, I'm genuinely happy. I'm not faking it. I'm not in denial. And a week later is when they came in with those x-rays. Yeah. I forgot the question, but go no, ahead. no, no. Well, <laughs> well I'll, I'll share another quote that you, that you wrote in miracle morning that I just loved uh, in terms of like that drive to hit the goal, you know, to, and then set a bigger goal. And I just, this really hit me in a, in a special way because I feel like it's really what I've made my life about and what, what drives me. You wrote the purpose of a goal is not to reach the goal. It's to become the type of person who can achieve any goal by always giving it everything you have, regardless of your results. It's who you become through that process that matters more than actually reaching any goal. And I have to, yeah, I can't take credit for the philosophy. That's a Jim Rohn philosophy. And I actually learned it from one of my mentors, Dan Cassetta, when I was at Cutco. Yeah. And it allowed me though, but here's the beauty of it. It removes fear. Mm-hmm. because most of us, we, we've been taught that the purpose of a goal is to hit the goal. Yep. And so we think in this very black and white paradigm where it's like, well, if I hit the goal, then I succeed. And if I don't hit the goal, then I fail. And that mm-hmm. fear of failure, whether it's because, you know, we'd feel like it was a waste of time to put all this energy into a goal that we didn't reach, or mm-hmm. we have perceived embarrassment, like, oh man, I'm gonna look like a fool if I give it all, everything I have to hit this goal and then I don't hit it. But when you realize it's who you become that is so much more valuable than whether or not you hit the goal. You know, let's say you work towards a goal and you don't hit it, but you literally give it everything you have. Well, you're going to learn so much about yourself, about the process of achieving that goal. Right. And then you just dust yourself off. You're like, all right, I missed that one. But what are the lessons that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life? Yes. You know, say the goal is, you know, make a million dollars. You make the million dollars. Let's say you buy a lottery ticket. In fact, that's the analogy. I give that in the book, the example. Let's say two people have a goal of making, of, of being millionaires. One person buys a lottery ticket on day one, wins. They're a millionaire. Everyone thinks, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You won the million bucks. They spend the money. Now they're in debt. Now they're right. Like, I mean, most millionaires in a bankrupt, right? right? Person number two, right? They start a business like five years into it, the business fails, right? They start another, but they learn so much, start another business. Two years later, they finally become a millionaire. Well, person number one is now, right? Their house is foreclosed on, their Ferrari was taken back by the bank and they didn't become anything, right? They didn't develop any skills or qualities or characteristics that would serve them the rest of their life. Person number two, it took them longer to get to the goal. They failed along the way, but the value of that experience and that process and the qualities and characteristics they developed that serves them the rest of their life. And it's so much more valuable. Yeah. And you also talked about this thing and, and you, and you mentioned in, in, I think both of your books about like tapping into more of your true potential, but never actually reaching your full potential. Yeah. Because we're limitless potential. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, there's human beings, like I said, you never reach your potential, right? Yeah. You know, I, I talk a lot about like level 10, just cause it's easy to quantify, right? Like on a scale of one to 10, how do you measure your success in any area of your life or every area of your life? Right. And then it's okay. So, you know, in, in health, I'm a four in business or you know, my finances, I'm a six. Right. And then ultimately you go from, from that to going, okay, well, what would it take for me to get to a level 10? And the thing is you're not actually going to get to a level 10, right? It's kind of semantics. It's like a moving target. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Right. So, you know, let's say for example, level 10 success for you is to earn a hundred thousand dollars in a year. And then you earn a hundred thousand dollars in a year and you're like, I'm capable of more, yeah. you know? Right. And then all of a sudden the, the target moves, you know, and like and for my more, marriage. Yeah. yeah. And I want more. And, and, well, and yeah. And, and I've spent that hundred grand. Now my lifestyle <laughs> requires more, but right. like, in my marriage, like my definition of a level 10 marriage, you know, I've been married for, we celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary, my wife, Ursula and I, and my definition of a level 10 marriage, you know, when I started, I didn't know how good it could be. Like, I didn't know how good our marriage could be. And then on our 10 year anniversary, that's what I said when we were, you know, giving our vows, we did like a recommitment ceremony. And I said, this is so much more meaningful than our wedding. Because our wedding, we were just committing to each other, but we really didn't know what the heck was going to happen. Like, you know, and most marriages end in divorce, right? So it's like, it really is, hey, let's try this out and hope for the best and give it our best. But 10 years later, I go, we did it. 
Like mm. we've did it. That's so much more meaningful than let's try it. It's kind of like the difference between setting a goal and achieving a goal or, you know, and, and, but here's, what's crazy. We celebrated our wedding anniversary three months ago, four months ago, our 10 year anniversary and had that recruitment ceremony. Yeah. We just got back from a five day couples retreat. So called the go abundance couples retreat. What the transformation, like we went into it good. We were, we're like, we were in a good place, you know? And I would have said our marriage is like at a level 9.5. Like it's so good. Dude, five days ago, compared to where we are now, it was like a seven and now wow. it's at a nine. But here's the deal. Now that we're going to be implementing all these practices that we learned, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know. Like, yeah, it's a moving target. I mean, you, you yeah. said it best. Was it tough going to this uh, retreat together? Were you guys like in the same room and... And it, you're together the whole time. I'm into personal development. So I've wanted to do a couple's retreat for years. I mean, probably, probably for 10 years, right? My wife's been resistant, hesitant. She always said, that's your thing. You're, you yep. go to the <laughs> Sounds like my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, I, I like, you know, let me be like, right. And so our, a bunch of our friends were just all the stars aligned for her to be like, okay. Mm. And she was resistant. She was resistant even almost to go there. And then on, at the end of day one, she's like, I'm so glad we came to this, like, you know, and so, yeah, so it was, it was incredible. Was it, was it tough? Were there like some like very tough exercises or anything like that, that you had to go through? Well, to be all very honest, it was, it was really for her, there was a lot more work to do just cause I've done so much of the work. I think, you know, yeah. for us together, there weren't any really tough moments. There were definitely some good, you know, we communicated and some like, Oh, I didn't realize that me doing that really bothered you. Or I didn't realize that you really wanted that from me. I've been hearing you say it, but it hasn't really registered. So there was some breakthroughs like that. Um, for her, there was some really tough inner work that was very freeing, right? I mean, a lot of tears and then yeah. like, oh my gosh, like I, I don't think her life will never, our, her life and our life will never be the same as a result of, of, of some of the tough so stuff awesome. that happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Well, well, going back to the level 10 thing, well, do you ever find yourself because it's a moving target like that maybe there's a a shadow side of having a bigger vision where like when you can see something that you want so much that then maybe sometimes you lose the acceptance of what you have because there's like that that gap between what you see versus what is I love that you said that. Um, the, uh, there's a concept in the miracle morning I talk about called gap focus, which is how human nature is. We, and I think it's more, I don't think it's human nature. I actually think it's conditioned by society and the media that we focus on the gap between where we are and where we want to be. Again, if you were a caveman, because there wasn't all, you weren't trying to achieve, you were trying to survive, you know, but now we look at the media, we look at social media and we're like, Oh, I want that. I need that. I should have that. That's what, that's what life's supposed to be. Like we create this image of what, we think life should be like based on these images that are, are given to us, right? Versus our decision of what would make me really happy? What would make me really fulfilled? And so for me, I think that the more we want something typically, so not for me, but for most people, the more we want something, the more we set ourselves up for disappointment. And it doesn't have to be that way. It, you know, whether it's like my car accident, I really want to walk again. <laughs> but simultaneously, I accept if I never walk again. And, right. and so for most people, and I think it's just a lack of awareness, I think that we can do it, but we just, they don't realize that, oh, those two ideas can exist at the exact same time where I can want something so bad and be completely accepting if it doesn't happen. In fact, I'll give you a, a very tangible example. So the miracle morning is a practice for daily personal development. And as we were talking about this a little bit before the show started, I believe that is the foundation of everything we want for our lives, daily personal development so that we can become the person that we need to be, the level 10 person, if you will, that has the qualities, the characteristics, the knowledge, the skills, the habits, the behaviors to be able to create level 10 success in every area. So the foundation is your practice for personal development. However, you also need a process for goal achievement. Because you can just sit in your, you know, on your couch and read books and meditate and journal, but still never get out the gate, never actually step out onto the playing field and go after your biggest goals and dreams. Right. And that's where the miracle equation is your process for goal achievement. So here's the point mm -hmm. when the miracle morning, I already kind of shared when I wrote the book, I just, I wrote it because I felt a sense of responsibility because it, this practice had changed my life in a really profound way. Actually, so much so that I said, told my wife, I said, sweetheart, two months after I started doing the Miracle Morning, I had more than doubled my income. And it was 2008 when the economy crashed. So in the worst economy, I doubled my income in two months. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically 
to committing to run a 52 mile ultra marathon. I had never, I was not a runner. I hated running. And, and, and here's the thing. I had learned the, the philosophy from Jim Rohn that it's all about who you become. That's what the purpose is of your goals. So I thought, who would I have to become to go from never running more than a mile? And that was back in high school PE class to <laughs> running 52 miles in one day. I don't know that guy. I've never met that guy, but I'd love to become that guy. Right? So I committed to do that. And I started training. So anyway, I told my wife, I go, sweetie, this morning routine I'm doing, it didn't have a name and it wasn't a book idea. I go, this morning routine that I'm doing, our lives have changed so fast in the last two months. So dramatically, it feels like a freaking miracle. She goes, it's your miracle morning. Mm. I'm like, Yes. And I just started writing my schedule, miracle morning, miracle morning, miracle morning every day at 5am. And then I started teaching it to my clients and the rest is kind of history. Well, here's the point. When the book came out, as I mentioned, it wasn't, I'm going to change the world. It's like, Hey, I, I have a responsibility to share this with other people. I'm going to write a book about it. I don't know if it's going to, you know, it'll change a few hundred lives, whatever. I put it out there, got it, the emails. Then I set the goal of change 1 million lives one morning at a time. And I gave myself 12 months to do it. So I said, all right, I don't know how, but I'm going to apply the miracle equation to selling a million copies of the miracle morning. And that first year I fell short of my goal by 99.9% James. I, uh, wow. instead of selling a million copies, I sold, I think 12,000. So I was <laughs> 988,000 copies short. Now here's the point. When you apply the miracle equation, the only variable is timing is that things usually do take longer than you want, right? You go, I want to, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm this, but it will takes you instead of one year, it takes you 10 or whatever. So I didn't give up on the goal. I went, I just have to extend the timeline. And I don't remember why I chose this, but I just remember thinking maybe it'll take me 30 years. Obviously one year was way too optimistic. Right. Maybe it'll take me 30, but here's the deal. What's meaningful enough in your life that you're willing to commit for as long as it takes, because here's the greatest, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. And I learned it through experience through kind of through hindsight, if you will, when you finally get to the point in your life that you've been working so hard for, for so long, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. You look back at your journey and you go, Oh, the timing was perfect. I had to go through all that. Shit. I had to overcome those obstacles. I had to become that person. Yep. to get to the, where I am now. So, it's, so the lesson, uh, it's like you're right. resisting it the whole time until yes. in hindsight that you like honor the whole journey. You're resisting your reality. You're like, I'm not where I want to be. And that's a form of resistance. Right. And so the lesson is this completely accept where you are, be at peace with where you are, love who you are and love your life. Every moment, every day, when I woke up with cancer, right? Like I just loved every moment. And it was way easier to go through the most. I was in the ER. I, I almost died like three times, right? Like, but I, I just was grateful every moment. I was grateful for the adversity because I, you know, I just, I, I, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so here's the lesson is be at peace with where you are, but simultaneously maintain a healthy sense of urgency to wake up every day and move forward toward your biggest goals and dreams and realize like with the miracle morning, I didn't hit it in a year. It took me and I didn't hit it year two. I failed year three. If you want to call it failure, I failed year four and I failed year five. It took six years for me to reach a million people with the miracle morning. But guess what, James, the day that I found out we surpassed a million copies sold was I like, gosh, dang it. I'm so mad. It took me this long. No, <laughs> if anything, I was mad that I was mad along the way. I'm like, why, right. did, I, why did I focus on the gap? Why, you know? Yeah. So, so there, yeah. I, I mean, time is just a funky thing anyways. You know, like anyway, you, put, yeah. you put these deadlines on us that cause pressure and you know, yeah. When you like, I know it's inevitable. You say in the book, which I say all the time, your success is inevitable. So a million copies is inevitable. It's just a matter of time. I love that. So I want to be mindful of time here. So for anybody really quick who hasn't read the miracle morning, I would still suggest start there, right? That's step one. Yeah. I mean, I really think that they, the books work well together, you know, like, cause like I said, the miracle morning is your practice for daily personal development. So that's kind of your foundation. Yeah. And then, okay. Once you've got that practice in place, you'll continue getting better as a better version of yourself every day. I always say the miracle morning enables you to wake up every day and become a better version of the person that you were when you went to bed the night before. And if you do that every day, and it puts you in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state every morning so that you are in an optimized state of being to crush your day. And if you win the morning, you win the day and you know, those things compound. And so then 
the miracle equation, yeah, is really that process for goal achievement. So you're like, all right, I'm growing every day. Okay. But now how do I actually take on these huge goals and dreams that, that right now might seem so far away or I'm, I'm scared of failing or, or whatever it is. That's what the miracle equation is. I love it. And I love how simple you kept the miracle equation. You, I won't reveal the secrets cause I really want everyone to grab the book, but you keep it simple, but you've chunked it down into just two critical pieces in this equation. Like, I don't think you can make it more simple yet still so profound. And I love the whole idea of like, you know, if you want to impress people, you can make it complicated, but if you actually want to help people keep it simple. And I think that's exactly what you've done. So I love your writing. I love what's in the pages of both of these books. I couldn't recommend it enough to our listeners. And I know if you guys haven't already read it, you're going to gobble them up and love it. So for those that are you on like Instagram? Are you doing a lot of the Instagram? And, and all I, that? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm doing Instagram. Okay, good. Cause, uh, cause yeah. face, face I was like, okay. Oh, well, I just like to always tell my listeners that when you pick up the books, when you read them, tag how, let them know that you're reading it, share with him. Cause I, I know, you know, based on where you're operating and what's meaningful to you, I, I think it would mean a lot if, if you guys share how the books are impacting you. So absolutely. Uh, yeah, please do that. Any final thoughts? I will link up the links to the books and all that stuff in the show notes. Go grab on your Kindle or get the physical version. But any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, I'll share two quick things. One is an, inv an invitation. If you're listening to this, the best place to connect with not just me, but hundreds of thousands of people that are waking up every day and really supporting each other to fulfill our individual potential and, and then do so collectively. It's the Miracle Morning Community. And it's a Facebook group. We have 215,000 members. And wow. I, I almost cringe when I say that because I don't want people to think it's like quantity over quality, like the level of engagement. It, it's in my opinion, the most loving, supportive, engaged online community I've ever seen. And if you go to miraclemorning.com, you can just scroll down and click on, you know, join the community. And then I just wanted to echo what I said earlier, because I, I, I'd love to leave you with that thought that when you finally get to the point in your life that you've been working so hard for so long, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. And instead you look back and you see the perfection in the journey and, and the perfection in the timing. And so mm -hmm. with that realization, be at peace with where you, where you are in your life right now, right? It's about joy. Like how can you have more joy, not more stuff, not more money, work on that on top of the foundation of love, self-love and joy, love yourself as you are, see yourself as you can be, and then actively create the most extraordinary life that you can imagine because you deserve nothing less. That's beautiful. Oh, I love it. What a great note to, to end on. Hal, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you so much. The time, everything you just shared. So like giving freely. So thank you, Hal Elrod, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll link up his books, The Miracle Morning, The Miracle Equation for you in the show notes so you can grab your copies today. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, James. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. We'll see you all here next time. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.